I mean, the good thing about these wholesale, I feel like if you have a client that's do a buy and hold, it's perfect for them, right? Because they, they buy it and then, you know, you know, they have to fix it up and they, they hold it and it's fine. But if you want to flip it, I think it's going to be tough. Yeah. Unless you, your client is fine with 10%, 8% or something. This is The Real Estate Podcast, a show by entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs. Let's hear from our host, Matt Teifke and Alex Kaufman. Hey everybody, welcome to The Real Estate Podcast, co-host Alex Kaufman here, and today we have Christine Chow. She is the broker and owner of Texas Urban Realty, and she has an amazing story. She talks about how she got over here to the United States, her family and business, and what has led her to be a successful uh, businesswoman uh, today and the Austin real estate market and agent. So we dive into her story today, and I know you guys are going to enjoy it. Thank you for coming. We appreciate it. Uh, we have Christine. Yeah, so super easy going. We like to have fun and have an open conversation. Nice. Um, and would love to really get into like what you have going on in the real estate market, but I think a good place to start would be to go through your background. Sure. And uh, we'll just jump right in if that's cool with you. Yeah, I'd love to. And Thank real you. quick, huh. you recently got uh, elected on the Board of Realtors, which uh-huh. was a big deal. Yes. So congratulations. Thank re-elected. you so much. Re-election, yes. Re-elected. Right. Also right. Board of Realtors, yeah. It was tough. And you said I you had it. a lot of votes. I did. Yeah. yeah. That's second, awesome. second highest. So. Congrats. I'm very proud of that. Love Worked it. really hard for it. That's cool. Well, let's let's back up a little bit, and okay. uh, if you don't mind, kind of as much as you want to go into as far as how you got to where you are today, you know, even even where you grew up, if you want, and we'll just kind of jump in. And sure. Talk real estate. So my parents, um, we immigrated from Vietnam, but I'm actually um, Chinese, born in Vietnam, and we came here. We um, was part of the whole boat, um, and so we got on a boat, escaped to Vietnam, bribed the the you know the I guess, the, no one said contractors, but it would be, um, I guess, whoever's like, you know, monitoring that. Mm-hmm. And then so we stopped by Malaysia. Mm-hmm. Um, my brother was born. And then we came straight to Austin because we already had family here. How so old were you at this time? Four years old. Four years old, wow. Yeah. So you went from, you said, China to Vietnam? No, Vietnam to... Malaysia. Uh, mm-hmm, Malaysia. And then to Austin. Then to straight to Austin. Wow. Do you remember much of that? I being don't. four years old? Yeah, I, I wouldn't for sure. Not at all. And yeah. I was kind of thinking about that. I think my only memories is from probably maybe second grade. Mm-hmm. So, so I don't I don't know what that means. If that was I'm hard, the, you know. I'm the same way. I'm like, I can't remember I very much. Memory. I do too. <laughs> well, I'm curious. You said yeah. uh, escaped Vietnam, uh-huh. so they wouldn't let y'all leave? Well, um, around that time, it's like the communists, right? Um, and so if either you you escaped or you bribed. And, and so, yeah, it's the only way you can get here. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. So we're very fortunate to mm-hmm. be in America and coming here with, with really nothing. Wow. Nothing at all. So, and your previous family that was already here in Austin, mm-hmm. they had left uh, recently beforehand, or yeah, they escaped about a year before we did, a, a couple months to a year, and then came straight here too. And same thing, they they you know bribed someone to get there, but it's kind of a long journey. It's crazy because you have a lot of pirates that come in and and rob and rape and you know take whatever they want to take, wow. and so it's it's. You know, just hearing these stories from my parents, 
I can't even imagine. Maybe that's why I have no memories. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Do you know how long of a uh, process? The journey? Yeah. Um, like time frame? I really don't. I want to say, I mean, probably a couple of weeks. And then there's refugees camps mm-hmm. set up. And then I think you're going to have to get a sponsor. Like someone's going to have to sponsor. Usually your parents. I mean, usually family mm-hmm. or like a local church or something. So mm, Wow. Do you know why? Because yeah. um, doesn't Texas... Uh, as a whole, have a lot of Vietnamese community here, like Houston, for example. Do you mm-hmm. know why uh, Vietnamese, you know, escapees came to Texas? Um, I think just ha- trying to have a better life. Um, as far as like Asian population, Houston has the most, the biggest number, but and then um, Dallas. But yeah, Austin, we're still pretty, relatively small mm-hmm. in our community, but we're super tight though. We yeah. do have a um, Chow Chow community that I'm super proud to be a part of, too. And many of us are like family, and so we're all here. That's do you, cool. Do you know why Texas as opposed to any other state, though? I think, I'm not really sure, but I know that you're always going to land wherever you have family mm-hmm. or you have some kind of roots. And so, because you come here with nothing, right? And right. so you probably most likely, yeah, probably with something with family. And it started, you came to Austin. I did. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. So I've been here for a while. It's probably another conversation, but yeah. I, uh, thinking into like your memories, I wonder if there was like something you could tap into to like see, have something pop up that you remember. That'd be pretty crazy from I know. that. Because it's, it's obviously a massive experience. Right. There's got to be something in there that you can tap into. Well, I know my parents, you know, can't speak English. And so we they share a lot of, because of me being the oldest of four, they share quite a bit with me. And so I think um, that just, you know, encourage me to work as hard as I can and mm-hmm. be where I'm at now, mm-hmm. just to be able to support them. Because you hear a lot about the stories and just all their struggles. It's, it's pretty sad. Are they here? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, Austin. Mm-hmm. What yeah. do they do? Most of my family is in Austin. We, um, our family's in the restaurant industry. Okay. Yeah. So all of our lives, we've had a restaurant. That's cool. Yeah. My dad is uh, dating a girl uh, named Young, and she's from mm-hmm. Korea. Oh, nice. And she has a restaurant, and she's opening another one in Colleen. Oh, awesome. Yeah. In Austin? Or? It, actually, in Colleen. Oh, nice. Yeah. Okay. And uh, I've kind of got to experience that world a little bit, but you're right. It's a really tight-knit community. Yeah. I went to uh, H-Mart with her, and like she knew everybody. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was fun. Yeah, the Korean Mart, I mean, the society, I mean, I think we all have our little groups, and we're usually pretty close. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Got to stick together, right? Absolutely, it's all about family. What uh, what restaurant does your family own? So my husband and I and his family we own like Nikon Bistro on William Canyon and Brody, mm-hmm. and then my brothers own like a few pho restaurants. Do you know what pho is? Mm-hmm. Okay. Do so you, come by, just come by and check yeah, it out. I definitely <laughs> will. And your your parents owned a restaurant too growing up. We did. So um, most of my aunts and uncles own restaurants. And so that's all we knew how to do, right? You work hard. You don't really have to. I mean, yeah, you have to understand English, but you can open up as long as you can cook, you know, manage the cashier. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, all of our lives we've had a restaurant. Awesome. I wonder how challenging that was when they first got here, like just even getting a lease signed or something like that with, with just like, yeah. you know, being new to the area and the, the language barrier. I mean, For I sure. imagine it's massive. So my dad was saying that he started off, you know, washing, uh, washing dishes. You know, my mom was just like the daily like cleanup around the restaurant, and then you just kind of move up. Mm-hmm. Then the, you know they the owners see that you work hard, right? They're like, oh, okay, well let me show you how to cook. And so that's how my dad started cooking. 
Is there an entrepreneurial spirit within that community that, like, do most people, like, your family and friends, like, want to have their own businesses? Absolutely. I think um, that the main theme is working hard, Mm -hmm. saving money, and um, making sure to just try to provide for your family. Right. Give them a better life than what they had. Mm -hmm. And so growing up, I never saw my parents. I mean, I was the, the, the oldest, and I just remember them leaving, closing the door, and that's it. I just take care of them, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But I'm sure it's a lot more safer than, than it is now, right? Can you imagine four young kids at home probably getting in trouble by somebody, right? Right. So, um, yeah. So I just, I mean, I, I don't remember eating a lot of times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I probably did. I mean, obviously in my life, right? But, <laughs> but I, I, you know, don't have a lot of memories of that. And it was tough. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So walk us through, like, um, yeah. I mean, grew up in Austin, went to school here. Like, mm-hmm. what does that progression look like to kind of where you're at today? Sure. Um, yeah, I went to William B. High School. I went to UT for a couple years. And then my family expanded, and we had, like, three restaurants. So I took a break to run the family business. And then after that, I got into real estate. Nice. So. And what got you thinking about real estate, and, and uh, how did that kind of process start? Yeah, my dad, um, you know, because my parents can't speak English, and so our family, we started in the 80s, started flipping restaurants. And so at a young really? age, I was already looking at contracts, translating, Did really didn't even know what I was doing, really, you know, negotiating deals, because... I was their translator, mm, right? And so I would, um, and it was much easier. Now, you know, these leases are thick, but it used to be just, what, one page? Mm-hmm. Give me 50000 and you get everything, right? So simple. And so, um, yeah, I was already doing that a lot of times. I was doing that for my um, aunts and uncles, too, translating for them. And then um, when I, with our three restaurants, Again, we start flipping them. So at one point, we didn't have any restaurants. And so my pet, my dad was like, hey, you know, why don't you get into real estate? Because you like to wear nice clothes, drive a nice car. And, you know, just talk about real estate. And so, yeah. Wow. I'm and flipping the saying. restaurant was yeah. buying it, you know, making it operate more efficiently, changing the menu, all kinds of stuff like that. And yeah. then just selling it, that business plan to someone else. Absolutely. So, I mean, it's, the restaurant is just so hard, right? I mean, you open... Um, from morning to night, most of the time you stay there the whole time. Um, it's very high fixed costs, mm-hmm. but if you can make it and there's a threshold of number, the majority of that's going to be profit. Mm-hmm. But you just have to get through your fixed costs. And so we would um, just accidentally, you know, again, the restaurant industries are super small. Whenever someone wants to sell, it's not like on the MLS or something, it's a lot of word of mouth. Mm-hmm. And so they'll say they want to sell and and my parents were, I guess, ambitious. And so and I, we knew that we had good food. And so, and then they would have me and all my brothers and sisters would work there too. And so, they, um, you know, we get an opportunity. We buy it for, say, 50000 And then we'll come in and change up all the food. Sometimes we might keep the name. Sometimes we won't. Mm-hmm. And then we change it up and then get the numbers up just like in you know in yeah, real estate in duplex cool. yeah and then we'll flip it for like a hundred or something mm-hmm. so you know that's pretty good back in the day right like 50,000 back in the day in hundred. what and age were you doing this like flipping restaurants and yeah stuff? just kind of re- re- you know yeah. where, where you were pretty involved like reading the contracts and I was so I've been working hard uh, 11 years old 
So like wow. washing. So you got your master's tables. degree early on. Oh, <laughs> I, I did. Mean, right? I mean, yeah. did you learn a tremendous amount of, about business by doing that? Absolutely. I mean, I've, I remember waking up and then the whole restaurant would be full of mm-hmm. guests. It's so embarrassing, right? Because can you imagine you, a child just waking up and oh, like the whole restaurant? Oh, you mean sleeping. Yeah, sleeping on the floor and I'm waking. Because, you know, you sleep anywhere, right? And so I would wake up and, and I would be so embarrassed because... Everyone's just eating their food. They don't, and so I was like, oh, "Okay, at least wake me up next time." You know, right. I mean, it's busy. Wake me up so I can help you. And actually, I don't, you know. Wow. Well, I can only imagine that uh, probably instilled a crazy amount of uh, work ethic in you. Yeah. Is that true? It's true. Yeah. I mean, I work um, every day. Every day I work, and so yeah. I mean, I think it's just responsibilities, just true. being responsible and especially to your clients and then to my family and so it's yeah. not really work though when you you know look at it that way I think it's super fun I mean on my real estate side um you know I do have a bunch of licenses and I just got them just you know just to be able to provide more value to my clients but mm-hmm. yeah you're right I, I do have lots of fun with it um so yeah I don't I know do. any other way to describe it people always ask you know like what'd you do this weekend yeah. or you know I would say work but it's really not work and I don't know any other way to describe it to people who don't enjoy working absolutely you know yeah it's super fun I mean now I have kind of a stream of out-of-town clients and so I do about two or three tours a month in fact I have a client coming in right after this to show them a few days and then I have another one about the same time and so it's kind of crazy I always tell them to give me enough time but it's just whatever you know we're at their time right sure they're back and call so you'll so. go show them like 10-15 houses over a couple of days span something mm-hmm. like that yeah I mean they're just looking for investments okay about cash flow mm-hmm. um, mainly and, and then you know everybody has different goals sure and so mm-hmm. how do you um, kind of view that as yeah. far as you know we're in a very competitive market I call it opportunity city absolutely opportunities everywhere right um and you're right. Everyone has different goals on what they're looking for. Um, but like, what do you? I guess what do you see your clients or most people uh, buying as far as investment properties? Are they just buying for the appreciation? Are you finding the really good deals? Like, what does that kind of look like? That's a good question. So, just it all depends. You know, um, a lot of my clients are they just want to break even, mm-hmm. right? With Cash twenty percent down, break even. Mm-hmm. Well, duplex twenty five. Sometimes you know mm-hmm. I set expectations with them that's going to have to be more, like thirty percent, thirty five percent, and they have it. You yeah. know, they just. I think if you just set good expectations with them at the beginning, that's a good point. It's, it's we, we point. even had a client one time that we were going to do some stuff with that um, was wanting to do like fifty percent down. Yeah, but he was going to get bank financing, so his interest rate was going to be like five. Point seven five, something like that. Okay. And even that was hard. That was a challenge. Right. You know. So yeah. It's, it is super competitive. Mm-hmm. Is that what most of your clients are are doing? Or is it mostly investors that you're mainly buying? investors that mm-hmm. I work with right now? Mm-hmm. Um, but most of the times when I do these tours, I don't get it. I don't really get a deal until like maybe one or two years later. It just depends because a lot of them are just interested about Austin. They yep. hear so many stuff about it. You know, they they know this is the place to be. But before they dump half a million, a million, because usually these are the big players that come in and they'll spend a few days with me and then they do so much homework. I mean, mm-hmm. they're telling me about stats. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking, oh gosh, and it's all pretty cool. Referrals? Like, yeah, I knew that. Referrals. All referrals, yeah, all referrals. And they're, um, you know, they're very knowledgeable about That's the cool. market because they're studying so much. Mm-hmm. And so, 
That's cool. And I really and, appreciate it. And you're us. just trying to, you know, like you said, yeah. have that one year, two year mindset. So when you tour, you're just trying to show them that, you know, you're trustworthy and you know what you're doing. Absolutely. And maybe you'll get a deal right now, but, but right. that's not the expectation. Right. Because most of the time they'll come in and they'll see something and then um, they don't really understand how aggressive our market is. And so they have to lose five, eight deals. And then, so most of the time, my clients don't ever see anything. They just, exactly, they come here and really, for me to kind of show them my experiences, that I know mm-hmm. the city, that I know my information, and then you're right, you build that trust, because otherwise, most of the time, it's sight unseen. Right. I mean, you see pictures, but sometimes it's not a good reflection of what the property is, right? Yeah. And so, just building that trust with them, and it just takes some time. It does, and that's yeah. one of the biggest things that I always... Uh, preach about and talk on is like the long game and consistency right and not a lot of people look at it like that they're like i'm doing this tour i gotta get a deal done and and they don't follow up six months later one year later two years later five years later right but that's really important and i think they're missing the big picture when they're not thinking like that right and i think just having many years of experience on us too come it really kind of helps to get that flow yeah and it's easier when you're already closing deals from a year ago or two years ago yeah i mean same thing with commercial right you you and and the restaurant industry but you work so hard and it just takes a lot of time to kind of get there Mm because that process takes so much time Mm -hmm. it's so much due diligence Mm -hmm. and then you know anything could kill the deal so i think you just have to be able to, you know, set right expectations with them, mm-hmm. and they know that too. How have the uh, restaurants been doing through COVID? We, um, I think, try, trying to make it right. <laughs> I think the bars are really struggling mm-hmm. more than restaurants mm-hmm. right now. Excuse me, right now we're at seventy five percent. Right now, I mean, I can't my, at my restaurant. It's hard to open dine in because I don't have enough staff. Everyone's getting some money off unemployment still. And right. so, you know, the restaurant is tough too with tips and if you're not having good flow of clients coming in. So for us, we're still doing takeout. But I think everyone's just trying to adjust right now and trying to just get through it. Are there things that have happened that have forced you guys to like innovate or, or like move quicker on things you maybe would have done five years from now anything like you mean that? like the restaurant yeah i don't know enough about that industry but yeah. i know that that's happened for a lot of industries like real estate and right i know for us in the restaurant um luckily we already had a delivery presence mm-hmm. uh, we were already kind of working with you know different delivery groups and so that still kind of made our, our that section stronger mm-hmm. right? because it's really that's really your only option at one point and so um yeah just rethinking about Scaling down, you know, how to, you know, what we need to do with marketing and just investing, making sure to keep the kitchen staff. Mm-hmm. It's hard to keep kitchen staff, too, because they're, they're always moving around a lot, too. Mm-hmm. Why is that? It's tough hours. Yeah. It's really tough hours, right? You open at 11. You have to get there at 9.30, 10. You close at Ten, you don't get there out until eleven because you have to clean everything, right. and that's depending on when you take your last customer. Mm. And so, um, yeah, it's just a tough. I mean, people get tired, people get burned out. That's why we try to give them, don't let them try not to let them work a full day and give them like a, you know, like a, that's why you sometimes you see restaurants close in between. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just because to give it all the whole give staff a break. a break for two three hours, go run some errands and come back, right? But and then for the full-time hours, you just see you have a smaller group. 
Mm-hmm. It, it's crazy. I yeah. mean, uh, the one of the last jobs I had, I was working at um, a country club in the kitchen, and I'm not a cook or anything. I was actually hired on as a dishwasher. Yeah. But uh, the head chef, a friend of mine, said that I was the best employee because I came to work every day and on time. Right. That was all he needed. He didn't need any experience. He didn't need anything else but just someone to come to work. And there was a ton of turnover every, you know, every couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. I think that's with everything too, just being able to be open, being able to be trainable, yeah. right? Sometimes we even have agents who are like, just listen to us and you'll be good. Mm-hmm. And so we just need somebody trainable. And that's why the restaurant, you get moved up so quickly. Mm-hmm. You know, whether you go to dishwasher and then it's busy, you kind of jump to different areas to help with different, there's just so many different mm-hmm. ways that will help. Yeah. So you wash dishes? Yeah, a few, I did it too. A few different times. You, you I, actually, I did too. I actually prefer washing dishes Dude. than being on the line. Really? I did, I did not like being on the I line. I enjoyed actually because I was in college and I would turn on my headphones and just crank out dishes. Nice. Well, dishes yeah. are great, but the line is a whole nother animal. Yeah. What is the like the, the, the cook line? Oh, yeah, okay. so like expediting or you know putting the orders together because when the order comes in, you have like the appetizers, the mm-hmm. entree, the desserts, and stuff. So if you're on the line, then you're kind of kind controlling kind of like a contractor controlling mm. that whole flow mm-hmm. and telling everyone what, what to do that's what i did a lot i was I, yeah. so i was i was on the cook line so every uh-huh. order that come in and then it just keeps printing Dude, right you know ticket 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 yeah, ticket like that <laughs> it's like that first it's just that rush for an hour and a half or mm. two hours it's just like your life is like in chaos and then when it's over you're just like yeah, it's go, intense. Go grab a this beer. This is a random, <laughs> random restaurant, but Alex and I both love uh, Nancy's Sky Garden. Have you ever heard of that? No, I haven't. Where's that at? I'll have to take you sometime. Okay. It's in Round Rock. And oh, I, nice. I still don't really understand what kind of food it is. Do it, you? Uh, fusion? Yes, it is some fusion. I, uh-huh. lo- I love it. It is like, y- y- the plate comes out and it looks super simple. Uh-huh. But it's really, really good. It's Asian, like home cooking? Asian home cooking? fusion of oh, some okay. sort. I'll take you sometime. Oh, nice. Yeah. It's really healthy uh, stuff. I mean, awesome. We got like, new, like sweet potato noodles and smoked salmon and like, it's amazing. Really? Uh, yeah. Okay. I yeah. like trying new restaurants. Maybe you'll get some inspiration from it. Yeah. Well, I don't cook. You know I don't cook, right? Well, for, <laughs> for uh, you know, new business ideas. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You get, who do you get to do? Because you don't run mm-hmm. the restaurants, right? No, you, my husband does, yeah. So yeah. Get, get your husband on this. Yeah, we're looking at lo- locations right now to the, try to find something else, too. Really? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Because I think you, you get more profit when you have two or three. Yeah. Because it's the, the same amount of work. Co- economies of scale on the, like you were talking about, your, yeah. your fixed costs kind of go down a little bit per location. Absolutely, yeah. Because some, some of you can move staff around. You can buy more stuff in bulk, right? Mm-hmm. And then you can prep things if there's a same concept. Mm. Do yeah. y'all own the real estate that your restaurants operate out of? Um, no, uh, I did. We did have one that my dad um, owned. That was nice. And then he he sold it. Actually, I wanted to buy it myself, you know. But then we just didn't want it to get messy. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes with family deals, you know. Sure, sure. So. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this episode sponsor is brought to you by Dream Chasers Interviews with the Future, hosted by Adam J. Carswell. It's a it's a podcast that Matt and I both follow. We love Adam. He's a he's a great guy. Adds a ton of value to um, us and his listeners and anybody that he interacts with. He has uh, some very 
uh, valuable guests that come on and they share a lot of valuable information. So make sure you go follow them. Uh, make sure you go to dreamchasers-ix.com. Give them a follow. Go subscribe. Give them a five-star review. The link's down in, in the description. Now back to the episode. We're big believers in being entrepreneurial. Yeah. Uh, we've got construction, management, brokerage, wholesaling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you think that way too, but absolutely. Are you are you constantly thinking about new things, or is it like, let me just nail down the restaurants and nail down my brokerage, and and that's my two things that I want to focus on? I think, um, yeah, we well, always th- you have to diversify your portfolio, right? And so, I have the property management. You know, I do have a mortgage license. You know, I have the restaurant. We have sauce. I mean, you just have to diversify nice. everything, nice. and so you don't get so stressed out when the economy tanks and you have different sources of income yep. to help with that. But yeah, absolutely, anything that you know is going to make a profit. And now it's all about partnering up, right? So because we can't oversee everything one hundred percent all the time, and so um, I think if we have a good strong partner, because mm-hmm. kind of what you're doing, which is a great concept, you know, right. partnering up and being able to still influence, but then not have to be there the whole time. Right. I'm open to it. Yeah. So if anybody got ideas, call me. Yeah. <laughs> we may have a couple. Yeah, okay. We always got new ideas. Oh okay, yeah, but I, I have. Let's share ideas. We should do like a mastermind we'll, of. Uh, stuff. We'll get your husband. We'll all go to Nancy Sky Garden. Yeah. And yeah. Sounds good. Um, okay, so I guess. Where you're at right now, mm-hmm. like, what is your what is your big focus? I'm, you know, getting on reelected to the board. Obviously, you said takes a decent amount of time. Mm-hmm. What is your? Do you have a process for yourself as far as you know? You wake up and you do this, 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 and that. I don't. I know it's very important. Mm-hmm. I think I, I'm trying to get there, but yeah. do you have something like that. And what is? If not, what does it look like for you? I think you know, for me. You know, I'm just a one-woman show, right? I have two assistants that does the property management side. So, like, every day, because I'm so involved with so many different parts of the business, it's like putting out fires for mm-hmm. me. And so I'd love to partner up with somebody to try to, you know, manage that. And so what I do is I usually get up between, like, 4 and 5 every day. And then kind of younger, I was just rush, 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 get ready, out the door. But now I kind of, like, have to put on makeup because I'm older now, right? Like crazy without it, oh, yeah, you yeah. know. <laughs> it takes you like thirty minutes now to get ready instead of like fifteen, you know. <laughs> and so, just waking up, taking my time, you know, really living off my calendar. Mm-hmm. I never really understood that, but I do, and I set alarms for everything, mm-hmm. and then just making sure that I make my appointments. And I'm usually early, so nice. Yeah. Is it a lot mm-hmm. of? Uh, is it a lot of like new people you're meeting or existing clients, like? Yeah, mainly referrals. Mm -hmm. So usually what I do is um, probably a lot less now because of COVID, you know, the pandemic. But usually every lunch, I try to do some kind of business lunch or a connection. Never eat alone? Yeah, 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 I can eat alone, you know. Well, there's (laughs) a... Right, right. Or drink alone, right? A book or something. Yeah, there's some Uh concept. Never eat alone. It's like always be... Always be meeting new people. Yeah. So usually I do like a business lunch every day. And then I, I, I before I wouldn't come, I'm not going to come home, but I come home pretty late. So I usually try to make family time for dinner. And then, um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's just, you have to really be out there, putting mm. yourself out there and right. meeting new people and, you know, getting new perspectives to really kind of make it. Otherwise yeah, just you always... just get stuck in your group and 
Is Always thinking work? creative. Like we had a, yeah. we just had our team training and uh, mm-hmm. one of our agents, Doreen, yeah. somebody posted on Investor Underground and said, will anyone do a discounted lease listing? And nine out of 10 people just say, whatever, move on. And Doreen yeah. reached out to him and she said she did a discount lease listing and now they're buying two properties every year. Oh, nice. And I was like, that's so awesome. I don't know. I just thought of that because... And you're probably this way. Like when you're yeah. out having these meetings and mm-hmm. talking, you're always kind of thinking where are opportunities, you know, you're, you're essentially what I say, we're hunting. Right. Right. And For so sure. you have to just be thinking like that. And not a lot of people want to, you know, message the person that wants a discount lease listing. That's true. But I respect it. I'm like, great work, Dorian. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you got to get it however you get it. Right. right. Mm-hmm. I know with, especially investors, them coming from different markets like California, you know, the, you know, their rates are a little bit different and every agent's going to have their own pricing per their company. Right. And so I think, um, you know, people, I get negotiated all the time. Hey, mm. Christine, would you do this? Christine, would you do that? And sometimes I do it and sometimes I don't do it. But yeah. I think for me, especially being an investor, it's really about the long term. It's mm. not about this one transaction. Right. I mean, I might take a loss, especially in leases because it takes a lot of time. But I'll do it just to, you know, have a relationship with them and hopefully get referrals. Yeah, you gotta just have that balance, you know. I Absolutely. obviously I hate I hate like like when someone calls me for management and they're like, mm-hmm. What's your fee? Right. It's the first question. And then I understand that's important, but yeah. there's so much more to talk about. Absolutely. And same with like, you know, will you list it at five percent? It's like Yeah. Well, what if I could get you this price? Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, but you, like you said, you gotta just balance it the best you can and and jump in and Mm -hmm. sometimes hold firm where you you know you have to stuff like that well you have to know your value right i think um, that's a good point being a seasoned broker right i can i can say you know what i'm not working on i mean i do work on sundays but you know setting limitations Mm -hmm. having office hours but i think when i was first starting out in business in real estate in 2002 i was doing real estate everywhere i mean i had referrals in san antonio i drove to san antonio Nice. I had to join their MLS. Mm-hmm. Did I make that much off that deal? Probably not. You know, I went to Houston. You know, a lot of my business was in Houston because, you know, went to UT and had friends there. I mean, it's just, I worked really hard, you know, at the beginning because the first couple of years, if I didn't have my restaurant, there's no way I would have been able to make it in real estate. All I did was took classes, but you just got to work really hard and stick with it. That's a good point because we talk about it all the time. Like, because mm-hmm. my mom was a single mom and she ended up doing really well. And it, I always say sacrifice, like real estate, you can do anything you want if you're willing to make sacrifices. Right. And it's easy to gloss over sacrifice. Right. But we've all done it. Like it's, it's hard and it's no joke and it's not missing a call for five years and responding right. every second and, you know, people wanting to go out and you have to cancel or whatever it may be. Sure. That's a challenge. And it's, yeah. I still have it to today. Everyone's like, why are you on your phone? It's like, well, I'm working. Right. You know, yeah. it's, I, I'd rather n- not always be doing this, but sure. this is what you got to do to close these deals. Sometimes. Yeah. Well, I'm very grateful that I have my husband to really support me and then my in-laws too. So mm-hmm. I've always had a lot of, um, even young, I was I had a lot of support, mm-hmm. but then that's, they allow me to work these 14 18-hour days or whatever right. it is. And so I'm really grateful for that, for sure. That's uh, that's big. Yeah. The family thing's huge. Yeah. On the uh, investing side of yeah. things, um, where are you primarily focused there? Almost anywhere, really. Um, it's all about the numbers, right? Not doing a lot of Austin 
because the numbers doesn't make sense. And so these past years, I've been in Georgetown. I'm in Georgetown. I'm in New Braunfels. Um, and a lot part of the domain area if it's in Austin. Right. Residential, so, single family? or Yeah, you, no, duplexes. I'm a big duplex house. That's mainly what, what I usually try to push for, just for cash flow. Mm-hmm. And then, um, but I noticed a lot of the West Coast, they like a lot of single family homes. And so, uh, you know, I've been doing a lot of that too. But nice. it just depends. Single family homes, you don't cash flow that much. Mm-mm. You know? No. Yeah. Just like uh, more restaurants, the better. More units, the better. Right. Well, you need to set expectations with them that they're going to have to put a heavy down, mm-hmm. and that. But then the good thing is that we have a great appreciation. Yeah, my, that's the only one way. One of our guys, Andrew. I mean, I helped him buy like two duplexes, and yeah, in the last year or two, and mm-hmm. they've gone up a lot. Mm-hmm. Like we he bought a duplex in Georgetown for. Two sixty. Mm-hmm. It was really nice. I, but I know which one that is. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh-huh. I guess we moved quick on that one. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's all about you know with these, these investors. I probably have ten for duplex, but you can only represent one at a time. So right. Yeah. So and, and it's fun. At least with dupl- multifamily, I talk about this too. Is yeah. If you get on there, there's probably eighty listings on all of MLS. Right. And that's in a big radius. If you really narrow it down, it's like. 40 or 50 and so it's easy to stay on top of it and know all the new ones that come out Mm -hmm. do you how do you balance that like if if you've got and maybe you don't have this but if you had five or ten investors that all wanted to duplex and one comes out do you send it to all of them or how does that i think with the with your investors just knowing your clients you you know how some of them after having conversations with them they can be more aggressive than others mm-hmm. and then you know everyone's time frame mm-hmm. so it just depends i kind of put people in different buckets or different groups okay this this group can move fast now but um i mean it's hard because sometimes i feel like dang it i should ask matthew instead instead of alex because matthew would have just done whatever i told him to do or, or you right. know it just depends um but i think working with relationships wise right now it comes down to big time mm-hmm. just you, like kind of commercial you want more matthews you want more yeah do whatever i tell them to do <laughs> <laughs> yes if only they listen we should have gotten thirty thousand instead of 25 no, well kidding. this is one thing i'd be curious on your thoughts because yeah. i've i've uh thought about this a lot and because we do some wholesaling yeah okay and so i had this idea and, and i've done it but if one comes out duplex and you know that someone's going to buy it right yourself putting it under contract mm-hmm. and having the buyer is your name and or signs okay right and then just if you have one of your client that wants it sure transfer it to them at the same price right and you just make the commission yeah and to me that's a big value add because you you locked it up for them sure and if they don't want it you know i guess you could drop you it but it. Uh-huh. ideally it's you you only do that if you feel like it's pretty solid sure well, I mean, that's how the wholesale business is, right? Mm-hmm. They buy low and then they try to get somebody to, yeah. you know, that's why they have um, these, I guess, not open houses with those emails. You get, how many do you get a lot, oh, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. And I mean, they're not they're not a great deal these days. They're you know? not. I mean, it's, it's, you're, oh, they're so, you're, you're so right about that. It's They're not great deal. I mean. Most of them. Right. It's weird. It's right. like, these aren't off market. Right, no. Because before, I mean, that's, yeah. But, I mean, the good thing about these wholesale, I feel like if you have a client that's do a buy and hold, it's perfect for them, right? Because they, they buy it and then, you know, you know they have to fix it up and they, they hold it and it's fine. But if you want to flip it, I think it's going to be tough. Yeah. Unless you, your client is fine with 10%, 8% or something. 
Right. It's a lot of work. If all the numbers are accurate. That they, that right. It was a lot of risk. You never know what's going to happen. And that's why I don't do that with my, my, my town clients. No way. Mm. Because one bad deal, most of the time it's not our fault, right? But the deal happens and stuff happens. And I don't want to lose my client over that for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what about for yourself right now? Like mm-hmm. what are your biggest goals right now with, with everything that you have going on? I'm just... Since I'm having a lot of more out-of-town clients, so maybe just changing my business model a little bit. Um, looking, I mean, it's just it's just so aggressive. It's so fast mm-hmm. now, this market. And just um, really kind of thinking about what's going to happen in the next few years. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have a, a lot of, just like I'm sure you do too, a lot of clients on the sideline that have some money just waiting for the client, for the market to slow down, but I just don't think that's going to happen. I don't either. Yeah. There's no way we have too much great stuff coming in yeah. and, and developing and we have an amazing restaurant scene now. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, it's going to be aggressive. The jobs keep coming. The demand yeah. is there. Everyone's fleeing certain states. For sure. Joe yeah. Rogan's moving here. <laughs> <laughs> you say you're, uh, you know, what, how, how it happens, you say you're on the sidelines just waiting, waiting, waiting for the market to crash and you say, well... Shit, I've been waiting for three, four, five years now. Let's just buy. Right. Let's keep going up, and then boom, it hits. <laughs> and buy at the top. Well, yeah, that's-, that's why you have to diversify your portfolio. Yeah. And so, I mean, I tell people, people always ask me, when is a good time? And I always tell them, you, whenever you're ready. Whenever you're ready, whenever you have that down payment, let's, let's do it. Because when we start buying property, at that time, our mentality was, it's expensive. It was still multiple offers, not as aggressive as now. Still multiple offers, too late in the game. But you know, now that we look back on it, I mean, our whole portfolio is more than doubled. Yeah. And so now we kind of looked back and said, we should have bought everything, right? But you never know. I mean, when you're ready, you have that down payment. You're you're ready. Well, and two, we when you're buying on the numbers as well, when you're sure. you know not over leveraging yourself or buying at market value, but you're right. saying, hey, this duplex will provide me this return. Right. Uh, it doesn't really matter if you're buying at your numbers, right? Sure. I think just working with a good agent, you know, having a, a good relationship with somebody that's really gonna put your interests and you know be able to help manage their properties too that's huge mm-hmm. that's the main thing that with my investors that's how I'm able to get a lot of my clients because I do property management too and mm-hmm. that's not something that you know I wanted you know that that off the bat of my real estate career that's what I wanted it's just you know I had an investor ask me if they would man- if I would manage it and I said yeah sure yeah, and that's, that's the saying they say nobody picks property management it picks you yeah it's a, it's a tough <laughs> It's a t- that's why our phone rings all the time, and you know I don't I don't sleep well when it rains, when uh-huh. it's cold outside, when it's hot outside, because uh-huh. you know those phone calls are coming in. Uh-huh. Well, there are issues. But so is that uh, monthly money. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> How many doors do y'all manage? We have about 122 right now. Nice. Yeah. Congrats. Thank you. Yeah. Um, have y'all experienced any issues with tenants during COVID and not paying rent and Absolutely. Um we I think when the when this whole thing kind of started, I knew right away that I need to really, really focus on the property management side. Like really be in good communication with the tenants. Like really talking to them and you know, I always already set expectations with the owners too, letting them know that hey, right now we're going through a rough time. Be prepared that you're gonna get prorated rents that you're not going to get, you know, you're not, you might not get the whole thing at the same time. 
as a business decision, I waived all late fees until January. And I told them that, you know, I was like, please just communicate with me. If you're having issues, we're going to work it out together. Mm-hmm. And so I think out of, not too bad. I mean, we have some late clients and stuff, but mostly I have one. I'll be honest with you. I do have one eviction that I need to get rid of this dang tenant. But um <laughs> I can't believe I just said that, but whatever. No, I, I, <laughs> you know? I, I believe the same I mean, way. I mean, I'm just like, God, we're in this December ending, you know. So we, we got a few too. We decided we're just going to file it for sure, you know, continue and just be kind. You know, um, I've had a few where I just let them out of their lease. I mean, I'm going to take your security deposit, but. That's I'm the thing. I agree. I, I'm actually convinced. I don't know if this is, I haven't thought through this completely, but like 80 or 90% of all the problems are from communication errors. For sure. That's right. Like in the world, mm-hmm. I think and it's like, yeah. Like you said, if if you, they just communicate with you and tell you what's going on, there's right. a really, really good chance that you'll work with them, even if it's like their rents two thousand and they're paying you two hundred. Right. At least they're gonna respond and do what they tell you. Yeah, right? for sure. I mean, every single time we we, we find new information about rent assistance, or I mean, we send it to them. We we send it to them. Let them know that we're waiving all fees. Just please communicate with us. Mm. And so um, usually my two assistants will take care of that, but I always give them my direct line that they ever need something to call me. And so I get, you know, phone, phone calls all the time. And so, yeah, I think just being, talking to them and really. Yeah, because when you don't hear mm-hmm. from them, you know. It's death. You get scared. You know something's happening. Tenant, like I had a girl that I, and I don't really like doing these things. I'm like, let's just give them time. And my wife's yeah. always like, no, a victim. And she's usually right. Right. Um, but I, I would have literally, literally like given this girl money to mm-hmm. move out. Right. And because she didn't respond, we had to evict her. And now she owes us money. Right. And got a credit hit. It's yeah. just I just throw that out there because not always, people don't always realize that. But right. just communicate and just be real. I mean, absolutely. I think, I think for me, I do take it very personally. I take them like my own tenants too. So a lot of times if I don't hear from them, I'll show up at their door. I mean, I, I have my assistants leave personal notes to them all the time mm-hmm. and knock, just knock, tell knock. them. Hey, oh, oh, yeah. I mean, at <laughs> the beginning of my career, and I do it sometimes too. I always get my contractors <laughs> to go with me, you know, to knock on the doors. And so they always laugh. And they're like, okay, come on, Christine, let's go. <laughs> but yeah, I, enforcers? I, yes. I will knock on your door. I will like bug you. I will call your mama. I don't know. Look at every the, number. I see you. <laughs> yeah. You got to sometimes. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah. I, I do like that part of it too. It's been crazy. I mean, this year uh, we had two tenants um, that didn't pay us rent and they owed us total about like 10K. Yeah. Between both of them. Sure. Um, one of them ended up leaving and then the other one started paying up after we, you know, Send them those letters and stuff. Yeah, yeah those notices. Threaten to Victor. Sure. Um, but it's been crazy, and it's actually, uh, I mean, you know, now if I had any fears about uh, investing in real estate, I'd, I don't need more. Going through COVID, sure. tenants not having to pay rent. Sure. Uh, That's a good point, dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's like nothing's going to face you now. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't expect COVID, but... <clears throat> You know, it's been it's been a weird year. Sure. Um, but now our properties are turning around, doing much better. Yeah. And I mean, we we're excited to see that deposit last month coming to the bank yeah, account. Yeah, and to start doing some refis on some really good interest rates as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. I think just offering them solutions and stuff too, and be the main thing is communication. You're right. That's the number one. Yeah, and I'm a I really I do maybe to a fault, but I just take the best from people and believe in them and. 
Like we had this one girl and, you know, the day after Trump announced that there was another extension. Oh, right. She was like, screw you guys. I'm like, God, Mm -hmm. we could have evicted her like two weeks before that legally. Mm -hmm. But I was like, let's try and work with her. Right. And then she literally was like, screw you. I'm like, Mm, Yeah. But that's part of the game. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I always, I mean, again, you have to get your owners on board. And, and I always talk to them, like, seriously, hey, this person's not paying. Let's just let them out of the lease. You're, we're probably going to have to do repairs, right? But at least we have their security deposit, which is not even close yeah. to, to anything. But, I mean, just letting them out and just getting rid of that and starting over with a new tenant. I would have so. happily done that. The, yeah. This lady, yeah. she she really bothered me. Yeah. She, mm-hmm. she had a full-time job. She had, you know, yeah. plenty of money coming in. Sure. Yeah. And uh, I would have let her out of her lease. It's right just mis- misunderstandings of how it all works, I think, with yeah. the tenants. Like, they don't realize that you can be let out of your lease. And right. Lexi had somebody last week that the owner was trying to move back into the house because they mm. just, you know, just trying to move back in, right? And he offered the tenants, like, four grand to, it was a pretty good amount. To oh, move, not bad. To move out. Sure. And they came back and they said, five grand for each tenant. Oh my gosh! Like, really? I had I had a situation like that recently. And like, so, yeah. and my point was like, no, y- you just think that because they own the property, they just got twenty grand sitting around, right? It's no. like so, like what? Right. Of course. Well, and they may, but it also well, you're make, right. Then makes sense to pay five grand per person. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, one month, two months, three months—that could be twenty thousand, right? I mean, a lot of the owners. Some of them are free and clear, but mainly a majority of them have a mortgage on there. And it, it's tough because, you know, the, that AC went out earlier this year, mm-hmm. you know, or, or, you know, having to pay commissions to release. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's a lot of money up front for them. You I mean, it's, it's tough poured, being a landlord. Yeah. Remember when you poured bacon grease down, down the sink, you know, fucking oh. <laughs> <laughs> up our pipes. Right. Yeah. It's, tenants are crazy. <laughs> I mean, it's, some of the buyers and, and sellers are crazy. Yeah. Just got to work with it, I guess. We're all a little crazy. I think so, for sure. <laughs> I think you have to be crazy to be in this industry, yeah, right? Yeah, I hear you. <laughs> well, um, is there anything you see in the market um, that's unique right now with everything that's happening um, as far as just any major changes? We've kind of seen, Alex brought up, like, we feel like it's a new ball game, And we're excited about that. Like, we have challenges just like everyone else does. Sure. But we don't we don't even worry about complaining or anything. We just look at it like what are the new opportunities Absolutely. here? Absolutely. Yeah. I think this is a blessing, right? I think um agents you really gotta step up your game. Can't be lazy. You right. know, can't you have to work hard at it again. You can't assume you know, I've lost some clients before too because um, you know, now I'm traveling a lot and and sometimes, you know, they'll tell me, Christine you know, I feel like you're kind of too busy now. Mm, I've had that too. It yeah. sucks. Yeah, you're too busy now. You know, I see you traveling, and you know, this is why I gave it to another agent, or, um, you know, you're, not, you know, you're too busy anyways, or something like that. So I think just again, it comes back to communication, and just, a, a, just don't assume that just because they've been working with you for a long time, they're going to be with you forever. Right. It's not going to happen because you have another agent. What do they say? There's a mailing quote, stuff um, to them. It's like success isn't owned it's leased and rent is due every day yep absolutely yeah that's that's a good one you know what i mean Mm -hmm. i mean no matter what you got to keep putting that time in for sure 
Cool. Well, um, I know we all got busy days today. Is there anything else that you want to talk about or bring up? No, um, I had a great time. Thank awesome. you. I didn't. Thanks for listening to my story no, and everything. And it's inspiring. You know, we have we have people from time to time, and you're definitely one of them. That uh, oh, you, you could have every excuse in the book of why you couldn't do things, but sure. it seems to me like you don't choose to think like that, and you've overcome. And it, to me, it's just a, a testament to hard work can accomplish anything you want. I mean, you literally came here, uh, didn't speak the language. Your parents didn't speak the language. Now you own properties and restaurants and manage properties and very successful. So, uh, that's inspiring. And, um, yeah, so that's part of what this is about is like, um, getting these messages out to people. We have fun doing it. We also get to know people a little better, but we appreciate your time. And, oh, thank um, you so much. This is super fun. Thank thanks you. for coming. Is yeah. there, how can people get a hold of you if, if uh, they think you might be a good realtor for them? Sure. Um, mainly text, because I do get quite a bit of a phone call. Nice. In fact, I'm thinking about changing my voice mode that says, text only, please. <laughs> but you definitely call me at 512-293-2700. Awesome. You can always you say heard that. it here. Yay. Thank you for coming. Appreciate thank your time. Thank you so much. Thank, thank you. Thank you, Christine. Thank you.